Well, it is good to see all of you. I should say, I don't think I have yet. Uh, welcome to church. Glad y'all are here. Um, if you're new today or watching for the first time, my name is Calvary. I'm the pastor here, and I just want to say thanks for being here and, uh, or for tuning in online. Either way, we're glad that you've decided to be a part today. Uh, just a couple of things to uh, let you guys know about as far as uh, announcements want to let you know that this week the teens will be going to, to camp, teen camp. They're going to have a great time, and um, we're, we're speaking that into existence. It's going to be awesome this week, and uh, there won't, so because of that, there won't be anything happening Wednesday night for the teens because they're all going to be there. 46, 44 teens go into teen camp, so amazing, awesome, right? Good. Uh, also, if you have already given blood, thank you. Um, if you haven't yet, they're going to be out there when church is over. Now, don't everybody get up now. <laughs> Wait until after, you know. Uh, actually, I was going to give before, and then I started to think. Now, I've given a lot of blood. I, I got my two-gallon pen. Did you, anybody here? Two gallons? It's a lot of blood. But it's never affected me, but I thought surely the one time I gave on Sunday morning, it would. And uh, then I'd have to call Michael or Bruno or Jessica and say, hey, guys, um, I can't really. <laughs> but no, I, so I'm going to give after. And I uh, want to let you know also, if you're new, if you've started coming recently, uh, we have a home group that's just for you. It's going to be short, six weeks long. It's called Starting Point. And uh, there is, tonight's going to be, actually, this is our first one in a while that, that we, have, we will have done. We want to do one uh, on a semi-regular basis for new people who come. They always, people want to know, how do I get involved? What is this church all about? Um, what am I signing up for? They're already asking for my blood. <laughs> uh, no, it's, um, it's just a way for you to find out if you're new, what we're about, how do you get involved, uh, all of those things. And if you want to be a part of that, then you can see my wife. Her name is Sarisa. In all likelihood, you've met or talked with her as she came in. She'll be uh, out in the, in the lobby today when church is over. So. And the blood, just to explain that, we want to be good um, members of our community. And we know that there's been a blood shortage through all of this, uh, through COVID. Many people have not given that normally give. Um, I know, I heard that uh, in North Texas, we're like w one day out, or at least it was a couple of weeks ago, like a one-day blood supply, which is not very much. So we want to, we thought we'd do our part and try to help out there. So anyway, I uh, hope you guys are all doing good. We had a, a long week ourselves. Um, we were at uh, what they call family camp. Um, it's for, you don't have to be a family to be there, but you know, it is for families. We had our kids there and, um, you know, the staff was there, lots of other people from around uh, our area at the, at the um, campground down in uh, Glen Rose, and it was an amazing time. So uh, happy to be back, though. Uh, I was going to tell you a story this morning to start. You know, uh, my baby girl is uh, not a baby anymore. She's 14, in fact, and um, it happened all of a sudden. Like yesterday, she was an infant. Today, she's 14. And tomorrow she's going to be driving, she hopes. So, but uh, when she was born, very first born, this is no joke. Don't judge me first, okay? Please understand that I was a brand new dad. I had never been a dad before. Um, I only knew my dad, you know. I, I was at the time a youth pastor, so I knew all about teenagers. I knew nothing about infants. And uh, 
other and I knew about pregnancy because with Teresa we read all the books you know what to expect when you're expecting kind of things and understood all of that so Morgan was born and uh, the first thing that I thought within those first couple of days because uh, I love peanut butter that she should try peanut butter um, yeah I hear the moms like what did you do don't you worry every every mom that was around and nurse uh, you know I thought they were going to break my arm they're like don't you give that baby but I didn't know I love peanut butter peanut butter is a big deal and and now just so you know she loves peanut butter too uh, Reese's peanut butter cups are among her favorite candies but that introduced me to peanut allergies anybody know anything about peanut allergies and then I found out until then I don't guess I paid attention people are allergic to peanuts like when did that happen oh my word I feel so bad for people who are allergic to peanuts and then nuts of all kind and then I had a friend who um, is like deathly allergic like she can die if she eats peanuts so I understand the seriousness of it um, and, and she told me she was allergic to uh, another friend said they were allergic to tree nuts I didn't, so what is it? I didn't know what that meant. What is a tree nut? Nuts come from trees? I mean, I knew a pecan came from a tree, but where do nuts come from? Do people know? Like, you guys are all laughing, but you don't know either where nuts come from exactly. <laughs> like, is it a bush? Is it a plant? Is it a tree? What is? And what's a tree nut? So I need to stay away from tree nuts with you, but what are those? What are all the tree nuts? I didn't know what all those were. Um, but having kids has been a blast. Uh, homework. Homework was awesome, like first and second grade. You know, third grade was okay. Um, we're up to, she's going to be a freshman now. And of course, now bear in mind that I took um, math all the way through. I, I took all the way through calculus, in fact. And so I feel like I'm good with math. And then I must have forgot all the math because uh, I'm struggling to help with like sixth grade math. What, what's going on with sixth grade math? And then of course, uh, my oldest, she was in algebra. Hey, dad, help me with this algebra. And I'm like, oh man a squared plus x is and solve oh i don't even know and then they try to change math have you guys noticed this now texas has tried to avoid common core math um which that was a whole big thing once upon a time uh, the way i understand common core math is they want you to uh take a whole page for every answer so um the, <laughs> You start with one thing and you just the whole page and then you get the answer at the bottom. And if, you, if you're not careful as you're working through the problem, uh, because I've messed around with it a little bit, you might have too, like you'll see old math in the problem somewhere and, and you think, well, why didn't we just do that at the top? I don't, I don't understand why we didn't. And that's part of the problem for me helping them because the teachers are, they're not teaching common core math, but they're like, oh, well, if you do this and if you like take this number and this number and add them together, then you're gonna get this number. And I think, well, why do we have to even just just do that up here and, and you're going to have the answer and they're like no dad that's not the way the teacher taught us well then I can, I can help you get the answer but it's not going to be the way the teacher taught you to get the answer so I don't know but old math it worked right I mean nobody looks at their change and they're like oh the wrong change dumb old math you know <laughs> it just doesn't work anymore it still works it's just anyway we're doing different has nothing to do with the message, by the way. I just was thinking about, I'm, I'm so glad we're on a break from homework. Uh, we start geometry next year. I'll be learning that all over again. Uh, what I remember about geometry is A squared plus B squared equals C squared. So, right? Pythagorean theorem. It's like the easiest one. Um, but we'll be doing that together soon, I'm sure. 
So anyway, uh, on to today's lesson. We're, we're in the middle of a sermon series talking about uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And I'm very excited about the Sermon on the Mount. We're going to be spending the whole summer in the Sermon on the Mount, and it's, it's going to be good. Uh, last week, we talked about the Beatitudes, and um, so apparently I forgot to change the title slide. Ignore that. That was last week's title slide. Uh, this is what happens when you copy and paste. Beatitudes last week. Uh, today, uh, and I noticed a friend of mine shirt as they came in, we're going to be talking about salt and light. Salt and light. So uh, I have um, been reading through the Sermon on the Mount, and I think it's awesome, but I read a Peanuts article. You guys know Peanuts, right? Charlie Brown, um, one of the absolute best. I've been trying to get Jessica now for a couple of years to do the, um, for children's, to do the, the Charlie Brown Christmas special for Christmas. Wouldn't that be awesome? So we're working on that. We'll see. When you guys see her, she doesn't know I'm talking about her. She's back with the kids now, so just let her know, hey, I heard we're doing Charlie Brown Christmas. It's going to be awesome. Uh, so, uh, Charlie Brown. I got a Charlie Brown comic to show you guys. Uh, you guys all know Charlie Brown, and, and so he was talking uh, one day with one of the other characters, and uh, they said, uh, guess what, Chuck? Peppermint Patty, you remember her? Guess what, Chuck? The first day of school, and I got sent to the principal's office, and it was all your fault, Chuck. And uh, Charlie Brown says, my fault? How can it be my fault? Why is everything my fault? Peppermint Patty says, well, you're my friend, aren't you, Chuck? You should have been a better influence on me. <laughs> um, so that's kind of, while Peppermint Patty is trying to pre uh, pass the buck, she's also speaking some truth there because we should be a good influence on people around us. You know, people are watching us. Right? I heard of a minister who was outside and he was building a deck, a pastor. He was working on his deck at his house and um, a, a young boy came to watch what he was doing. Oh, there's the comic right now. See, I wasn't lying. It would have been good if I made it up, but there it is. Uh, this, this boy was uh, watching the pastor build the deck and the pastor's over there, he's hammering and he's building, he's putting the two by fours, he's hammering, the boy's just watching and eventually the, the pastor thinks, what are, you, what are you doing here? And so he, he asked the boy, hey, did you come to get some tips on how to build a deck? And he said, oh, no, no, no. I just, I just want to see what a pastor says whenever he hits his finger with a hammer. <laughs> People are watching us uh, and not just pastors. So, you know, we're always influencing somebody, either positively or negatively. People are watching you. The question today is when people are watching you, what do they see? Who do they see? So today we're going to read about salt and light, something you guys have all read before, I'm sure. Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. And before we jump into it, if you want to follow along, the notes in today's message are in the, uh, the church's app. Just download that, that app there and find the sermon notes. But uh, here we go, 5, 13 through 16. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify the Father in heaven. Okay, before I jump into this, let me give you a little background on what's going on here or to help us understand what Jesus is trying to talk about and why he uses these references, uh, the scripture in the Sermon on the Mount. So last week we talked about the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes really talk about our relationship with God. 
Today, we kind of turn the corner, and today's scripture deals more about our relationship with others. So we have a relationship with God last week, relationship with others today. Our dealings with lost people come out of our surrendered lives to the Father. So we surrender to Him in the Beatitudes, and then out of that surrender, our relationship with others is how they get impacted for Jesus. 1 Peter 3.15 says, When we strive to live under the control of Christ, people will notice. Did you catch that? When we strive to live under the influence of Christ, under the control of Christ, people will notice. So, Jesus links our inner attitude with our outward action. What's going on inside is going to come out. And what's going on inside is going to come out in a way that influences and impacts others. Okay, I really was struggling with this. There's the, and this will happen a, a few times through. The, the Sermon on the Mount is, is so awesome. And it's, it's pivotal for Christian teaching. It's Jesus' words. You know, it's, I love the Sermon on the Mount. But part of the problem is so many other people also know the Sermon on the Mount. And we've all heard these things, salt and light, before. So I was trying to think, how can I bring something new to salt and light as we're going through this, this uh, summer? So Jesus spoke of salt and light, and he was using two images that were and still are very, very common. In our contemporary society today, we really miss the value of salt. For most of us, it's just a blue container. You guys know what I'm talking about, a blue container that's like in the cupboard somewhere, right? Um, at our house, uh, a while ago, we switched to sea salt. Anybody else do sea salt? Um, sea salt. It just makes you feel a little extra fancy, kind of bougie, because you're, you're twisting the sea salt thing. And you're like, yeah, I have moved up in the world because I got a twisty salt shaker. So, uh, so we have this, this twisty. So uh, ancient societies, they understood salt way better than we do. Like for, for the, the ancient Romans, there was nothing except for the sun, nothing was more valuable than salt. Did you know that? Soldiers would choose to be paid with salt. It was a form of currency because it was so valuable to them. And that's where somebody, you've heard them say they're not worth their salt. Not worth their salt, that's where the saying comes from. Because if a soldier was not performing well, then they weren't worth their salt that they were getting paid. And so today, that's where we get that metaphor, they're not worth their salt. And, and then in their culture, light would have been far more important than even our culture because they didn't have um, lighters that they could just flick on a lighter or a, a, a flashlight, they could just turn the flashlight on. Like they didn't have those things. They didn't have a way to easily make light. So when it got dark, it was dark, man. Have any of you guys been away from the city and you notice that when you get away from the city, you can see the stars so much better? Like you walk outside and you say, wow, there's so many stars because we have so much light around here man that light washes everything out if you've not done it go out in the dark somewhere a long ways away from town and check it out i want you to notice that jesus doesn't say that you are like salt or that you are like light he declares that you are salt and that you are light he says this is who you are this is what you are this is who we're called to be it's who we are to live in the world because where we go, we are taking the light with us. We're taking the, the salt with us. And then for you grammar buffs, the word you here is emphatic and plural. Emphatic and plural. In other words, it literally means, 
you my followers and none others are the salt and the light you my followers and none others are the salt and the light so he's talking to all of us and it's an emphatic you are the salt and the light in other words if you say you are a follower of Jesus then you are the salt and the light if you are not the salt and the light then well it stands to reason that you are not a follower pretty harsh words but that's where jesus is going with this you are the salt if you're not salt and light then rethink who you believe that you follow because you're not following me while it's in our nature and our calling to be influencers jesus implies that some people have have uh, slipped spiritually just as it's absurd to think that salt when I read this, and I, I struggled with this, how does salt lose its saltiness? Does, does salt get so old that it's not salty anymore? No. Salt doesn't lose its saltiness. It, it's incomprehensible to Jesus that a believer would disengage from lost people and lose his or her ability to make an impact. He just can't imagine that somebody would do that. But that's how you lose your saltiness. You, you quit seasoning the environment around you. You quit uh, seasoning the culture. That's how you're going to lose your saltiness. All right, so we have at least two roles, one negative and the other positive. Salt approaches it from the negative standpoint, the negative function, um, because salt, we'll talk about it in a minute, salt delays decay. You know that like you put salt on meat and it'll, it'll preserve it. Salt also um, is a, a way that well, he's warning the disciples of the danger of compromise and of conformity, so don't do this. But then in, on the positive side, that's light because light illuminates the, the sin-soaked world. So we have a negative and a positive. All right, I have to tell you, there's, there's a lot to this morning, so I'm trying to get us out in a reasonable time, okay? So just hang with me, and we're gonna talk about salt first and then light. All right, so salt. Um, Matthew 5, 13. You are the salt of the earth. If the salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. If you've been in the church very long, you've heard that people in the church are the salt, right? Most of what you've heard, though, makes you feel guilty about not doing more witnessing, Right? I mean, have you thought about that? It, the things that I've heard, it, it just makes you feel guilty. So the, skull, the salt scripture is so familiar. It's so ingrained in us as followers of Jesus that I think it's lost some of its power. I don't think we, we think of it like we used to. And then the second part is talking about light, and um, it, it gets us into... Oh, what the salt should mean, the second part of the verse. All right, so that's when I come into the Greek words. And I don't know if you guys look much into the Greek. Always look at Greek when you're doing a study in the Scripture. Uh, so the Greek word used here for loses its saltiness, the salt loses its saltiness, is moreno. Moreno. And that verb is used four times in the New Testament. The other time in uh, Luke chapter 14, it refers to salt. But in Romans 1.22 and in 1 Corinthians 1.20, it's the same word, but 
the more common expression for the Greek at that time was to make or become foolish. So immediately I think, oh, moron. <laughs> Not that I'm calling anybody that, understand? But that's what I thought, oh, moreno. They got the word moron. I was wrong. It's not. It still means a similar thing. If, if you're interested, the Greek word for moron comes from uh, moros. So two different words, but with similar meaning. So to make or become foolish. So Jesus is saying Christians who lose their saltiness are really just becoming foolish. Okay, one of the things that we do is we, oh, we, we want people to, to like Jesus, right? So we try to make him likable. And, and sometimes that means that we compromise some of our tightly held beliefs so that people will think Jesus is more likable. But Jesus says he didn't, he didn't really come to bring peace. He's not, he didn't come to try to bring peace. He, he came to save people. Jesus calls us to such a, a radical walk, a radical following of him that not everybody will choose to follow him. So a, somebody who says they're a follower of Jesus but acts like the world has really made themselves moreno. See what I did? <laughs> Not a moron, a moreno. Because we, we're, we're foolish. We just look foolish. We look dumb. Don't you follow Jesus? Yeah. Well, doesn't he call you to the standard? Well, yeah. Why aren't you doing it? Well, because I want you to like Jesus too. Maybe people are looking for something that is solid. Maybe people are looking for a truth that is uncompromising in this world. And we have to follow Jesus in an uncompromising way for them to know and believe who he is so that we can be salt. It doesn't make sense for salt to lose its saltiness. Here's another interesting fact. Because if salt's not salty, there's no salt. Salt is going to be salty. Now, back then, they would get their salt from marshes and lagoons and rocks, like around the Dead Sea. The, the salt would come up and get on a rock, and it would dry up, but, but it would also have other minerals mixed with it. And they would come, and they would harvest that salt, those dried-out minerals, from the rock. So they would have salt, and interesting, they, would, they probably had a lot of kidney stones back then. <laughs> They're using, using that salt on their food. It's some salt, some minerals. Well, when that would get wet, the salt would dissolve out, and they would only be left with minerals. And that is what they used to throw out on the path. So salt that loses its saltiness is this mineral salt mixture that has gotten wet, and the salt has gone away from it. So it's just minerals. And they would use that, and it would still do the same thing. It would kind of kill the grass on the path, and it would, like, it would do those things, but it is not salt any longer. So they would understand, as Jesus is talking, they would understand these things. I wonder how many times in our lives we take our eyes off Christ. We live under our own power. We start doing things ourselves, and we allow ourselves to be contaminated by the world. Other minerals begin to come in and contaminate the salt that God has called us to be and then the phrase thrown out means to thrust out violently the word is uh, kata pateo kata pateo and it means to thrust out violently um, it has the idea to despise that's interesting right 
Did you know they still throw out savorless salt on the path in Israel today? They still take the same stuff and they still throw it out. If we, if we are salt and not being salty, then really it's pretty fair to say we are good for nothing Christians. <laughs> wow. Jesus was being harsh here, man. So what do we do? How do we act as salt? Three things. First is salt gives us taste. Salt gives taste. Have you ever noticed that salt can wake up the flavor of your food? Have you ever had something, you take a big old bite and it has no salt on it? And you're like, eh. Now listen, at our house, we don't use a lot of salt. Because your arm gets tired, man. You gotta, at our house, we don't use a lot of salt. But, but we do use salt. And you put a little salt on something, and it really brings it alive. But also, too much salt. Like, you don't want to be overpowering on somebody, overbearing you know, you've been around that person too. Don't be that guy or girl. Christians should be adding spice to a spiritually bland world. Some of us are just way too boring, way too lacking in joy. We get to season the world. Isn't that awesome? We get to bring flavor to it. We get to add spice to it. And that brings a whole nother thing because being a, a follower of Jesus isn't a boring life it's not a no fun life it's not a it's a spicy life we get to spice up the world I know I'm stepping in it for these guys over here just be spicy okay <laughs> they're laughing at me all right salt salt's also a preservative we don't do it very often Unless you watch, do you watch, anybody watch Survivor shows, different types? No? There's this one called Alone. Oh, man, I love that show. They go out there, and they just by themselves with only a camera or some cameras or however it works. They like make their own shelter, and they do their own stuff. I told Teresa, I'd be like the boring guy out there. So what's Cal doing today? Oh, he's taking another nap. <laughs> All these other people foraging for food. No, no, he's just taking a nap. <laughs> But you learn from these survivor shows that, or if you're, you know, an outdoorsman, you can get some, um, some meat and you can put some salt on it. You can dry it out and it's going to keep the meat for a good long time. Salt is a preservative. They didn't have refrigerators back then. They couldn't just pop it in the fridge and save it for a while. It, it, it had to bring, uh, be preserved. So it doesn't just make something good it keeps it from going bad and as salt that's our job our job is to influence culture to speak to people to love on people to influence them to a place where things are better keep it from going bad and the last thing salt creates thirst have you ever eaten something salty and you just get real thirsty just real thirsty interesting piece of science side note um does it is anybody old enough to remember getting salt pills back in the day when you would be running or something yeah some of you guys i know they did it in the army uh, uh, military and um in basketball <laughs> i would i was and this stopped around me in junior high but we'd be running and just dying of thirst and the coach would be like here have some salt what makes no sense right now we think they were 
weirdos. But, and then they're like, no, you need all kinds of water. And no, you need a, so the side note is they are, new research is showing that that actually helps prevent cramps. Salt, did you know that? That's why Gatorade is so effective because it puts, uh, has the salt and minerals that it puts back into your bloodstream. Bet you didn't know that. So salt creates thirst, but it also replenishes the, um, the nutrients that, you know, the salt that you're losing from your muscles that cause uh, cramps. They have actually found that no amount of water can decrease a cramp. Hmm, interesting. You just got to cool down and have some salt. So we're back around to the salt thing. Salt creates thirst. All I remember doing is really making me thirsty. Running, dead dog tired, have a salt pill. Have you noticed if you go to a buffet, I know they're not as popular as they once were post-COVID, buffet foods are always saltier. I don't know if you ever noticed that. They're saltier, so you'll drink more liquids to fill your belly up and eat less food. Interesting to know. Salt makes you thirsty. Here's the tie-in. When you're mixing it up with people who don't know Jesus, you need to be making them thirsty for Jesus. You need to create in them a desire to want to know who this Jesus is, who you love. Colossians 4, 6. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. I like that. Seasoned with salt. Does anybody season salt? Like, in my mind, I have this picture of like a pinch of salt and we're just going to season with salt. And we get to influence people so that they want what we have. We get to invest in their lives. We get to mix it up with people who don't know Jesus. I think there's a line we have to be careful about. I think we need to be involved with people who don't know Jesus. But also protect yourself just let me say that protect your heart but jesus spent time with sinners jesus spent time with those who didn't live right lives tax collectors and um people who were just known sinners prostitutes he hung out with them because he was putting a little salt in their life he was seasoning it up we don't have an option on this one it's an imperative if we're serious about obeying the command of christ then we need to penetrate lives with the message of the gospel. We have to penetrate lives with the message of the gospel. We have the hope that Lucas was talking about this morning. We have the joy that he was talking about. We know the answer. Are people coming to know Jesus because of our saltiness? All right, let's go into light. Brightness. I titled the message today, Tasty Brightness, by the way. I wish I would put that up there because I thought that was clever. Brightness, being light. All right. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So we don't have to spend a ton of time on light because we all know light. We understand light. We know what it does. Light in the Bible represents truth. It represents grace. Light represents the awesomeness of God. I love that light represents God because everywhere he goes, he illuminates things. 
and he lives in us and we become light. Isn't that awesome? God is light. He makes us light so that where we go, we, we illuminate. John 8, 12 presents Jesus as the um, personification of light. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. The Bible makes it clear that all who catch and reflect this light, and I don't even, the word reflect is, is not even an accurate statement, really, because we become light. Light emanates from us, not, not me, not my flesh, but because God's in me. The light emanates from him through me, but I become the light. That's amazing to me. Ephesians 5 expands it and declares that believers were once darkness. This is the language. Were once darkness, not were once in darkness, but you were darkness before you know Jesus. But now you are light. So live as children of light. When we receive Jesus, all that changes, man. The darkness goes away. And when you experience dark times in your life, remember that you have the light and he makes you the light. And so when you're walking around and somebody else is experiencing darkness, you become light to them. But it's God through you who becomes the light. It's, it's, you understand what I'm saying? It's not that you yourself are the light because in ourselves we are nothing, but only by the grace of God through Jesus Christ do we have or can we be anything. But he makes us light. So everywhere we go, I think that's awesome. He uses Jesus in his talk, two sources of light. The first is a city on a hill. And those listening would have understand exactly what he was talking about. When he said a city on a hill, they would have imagined, because in their day, they would put cities on hillsides, uh, cliff sides, that to, as a form of protection. And they would hew them out of limestone, and the sun would catch them and they would glisten in the sun. It would be like a source of light. It would just be glistening and bright. And they would, they would have known a city on a hill that is the light. In verse 15, the second source of light. Homes back then would just have one light. They didn't have light switches. They couldn't go around. I'm, I'm in the, probably we could have a heated debate over what color I didn't even know that was a thing until not very long ago. What color of light you have in your home? You have like the warm white, it's kind of a yellow light. Or do you, do you like the bluer, you know, daylight kind of lights? And then there's different, no, just me? Well, I'm in the middle of switching our home over to the, the white, the whiter light because we have some white, some yellow, and I'm like, it's driving me crazy. So we're, we're switching. Um, but you, of course, you can't go change every light bulb in your house. We're so spoiled. I flip on a switch and I got five light bulbs and I flip on another switch and I've got three light bulbs and I flip on, same for you guys. You flip on a switch, you got lights everywhere. That's not them. They had one light. And as it would begin to get dark, they would have over, the, 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 their homes would be a, a room with a, a living room and a, a cooking area right kind of a, a general big space and even some would sleep and kids would sleep out on they would like roll mats out for the night so they would have this big space and over in the corner would be a chest and in that chest would be some bowls and uh, some pots and some baskets and things for the day because they would gather things up in the basket and they would go get some water in their pots and they so they had they kept them all in a basket not every home but most homes 
in a basket on the side. Well, as night came, they would take the basket and they would put it in the middle of this large room, get their stuff that, you know, put the baskets away. We're done gathering for the day, but we might need some water. So get the water, take it out, all these things. Uh, the, and they would put the basket here and they would put a lamp on the basket and they would gather around, I, I mean, not the basket, but the, the box, the trunk, and they would gather around the trunk and they would eat. All of them with their backs to the dark and their faces to the light and they would eat together around this one light. So when Jesus said, who of you is gonna light your lamp, get your light and put a bowl over it? They would thought you're crazy. You got one light. Why would you do that? They would, it would make no sense to them. So those listening, they understood the importance of a single source of light in the center of the room. This would have been a, a light. As a matter of fact, it was probably a joke. Jesus probably told a joke. <laughs> I mean, I think Jesus told lots of jokes. My, you know, that's the way I think of him. But this was probably him just telling a little joke, and they probably all giggled a little bit about it. <laughs> Who's going to know he's going to do that? Dummies. Moreno. <laughs> I picture them laughing at the foolishness of it. It would have been absurd. So light, what does it do? Three things. And then we're done. The first is it dispels darkness. It dispels darkness so we can see. First John, I mean John chapter 1 says this. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, but the darkness has not understood it. Jesus came to get rid of darkness, but many people didn't like having his brightness around. Jesus came to get rid of it. Light dispels darkness. And this is something we have to be careful of as followers of Jesus because you might come across, and if you're like me, you want people gen, genuinely, you want them to like you. You try to build bridges. You try to build relationships. I, I, I think I'm a likable guy. I want to like you. I want you to like me. It's going to be good. But some people who are living in darkness just don't like me because the light in my life lights up their life and they're like, oh, I don't like that. It dispels darkness. It gets rid of it because it reveals things. And you might have walked up to somebody. If you believe in Jesus, you might walk up to somebody and you're like, oh, something just feels off. You know, that's the light in you. We would say the spirit in me is not um, jiving with the spirit in you. Like something about you is causing this tension. That's discernment. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you and letting you know there's something here. So a conversation needs to be had. A wait for a door to open. Talk to them about Jesus. It's the light. The light gives guidance. When we live out our faith in the midst of our family and our friends and our neighbors and, and everything around us, our life can guide people in the right path. Psalm 119, one. Psalm 119 verse 130 says the unfolding of your words gives light it gives understanding to the simple it gives guidance Jesus has passed the torch to his spiritual children that's us he has passed the torch to us it is our job to give guidance that people might be illuminated. Finally, it reveals what is there. 
Psalm 34 says, those who look to him are radiant. As we turn our attention towards Christ, as we savor his presence, the sprinkling of the salt in our lives, his light will radiate. In verse 16, Jesus said, in the same way, let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. When we shine for Jesus, people are going to see. When we shine for Jesus, people will know that what we do comes from God. And that's the truth. Like, we can make all kinds of discussion and arguments, and, but you know the truth. If Jesus is in you, then people are going to know it because of the way you live. We need to be intentional about letting our light shine. Jesus tells us that a person's faith is to be openly shared. We shouldn't hide it. We shouldn't be scared to talk about it. We shouldn't be overbearing. Too much salt, remember? But we need to be just enough salt to provide light. Here's the deal. Our lives have been transformed. If you follow Jesus, if you believe in Jesus, if, if you have asked him to forgive you for your sins, your life has been transformed. We have Jesus. He has saved us. He has forgiven us. He has changed us and given us hope and put his love in us and given us joy and set our feet on the rock. It's amazing. This is what Jesus has done for us. I don't understand when somebody receives all of that how they live like they never did. Joy should come out of you. This is the fruits of the Spirit, man. When you have from Jesus received uh, joy and been forgiven and have hope in your life and you've been changed and all these things, that joy should emanate from you. As we're on this journey together, to learn to yearn for God, as we're paying attention to Him and what He wants from us and where He wants us to go and who He wants us to be, if we take in order the Sermon on the Mount so far, first, He taught us through the Beatitudes how to have a right relationship with Him. But then He taught us how to be salt and light. In other words, as our relationship with God gets stronger and as we grow closer to Him, our lives will naturally become a tasty brightness that everyone will want to be a part of. I'm going to close by reading a, um, our passage today out of the message version. I like looking at different versions, and I just love the way that the message says this. This is Jesus talking, translated in the message. Let me tell you why you're here. You're here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and will end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out the God colors in the world. God is not a secret to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bears, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop on a light stand, shine. Keep open house. 
Be generous with your lives by opening up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, with this generous Father in heaven. Isn't that beautiful, eloquent, and then describes who we are. So I hope this week you can find somebody to be a tasty brightness for. Find somebody to love on. Find somebody to be salt to. Find somebody to be light to. Let them see who has changed you. Jesus, we love you this morning. We're grateful to you for every good thing. We're thankful that you have called us to be salt and light, and now I ask that you teach us what that looks like. Go with us, I pray. Bring people into our lives that we can show who you are to. And I know in every situation it's not easy, but I pray you would help us in every situation. In your name I pray.